With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Brennan Schaefer here. You like me voicing the uh, intro music when I can't do it via normal means? You like that? Hey, I'm in the car. I'm driving. I'm on the way back from Jupiter, back to home sweet home, O'Fallon, Missouri. <laughs> and I just had a bite to eat. I got some gasoline. I'm back in the car. And while, while I was stopped, I saw some conversation on Twitter. Haven't been able to check Twitter very much today. Which reminds me, I gotta make sure I post my Wordle score. I think I, I think I played Wordle today. Anyway, I saw some more conversation, I should say, about a topic that's been going on. It seems since the Cardinals signed Corey Dickerson, which has been five or six days ago by this point. Uh, it's currently Wednesday, March, whatever it is, twenty third, and so it's been several days, close to a week, since we knew. Corey Dickerson, left-handed hitting outfielder, would be a cardinal for this season. And so that has inspired, based on the perceived, and, and probably not just perceived, it's probably accurate diagnosis of a starting pitching need that Cardinals fans have sort of identified for this roster, this Cardinals team, as we approach opening day. Based on that, there have been some rumblings that the Cardinals should trade Lars Newtbar and whatever else it would take in order to get one of the starting pitchers from the Oakland Athletics that Oakland seems to be dangling on the trade block. That's Sean Manaya, that's Frankie Montaz. And that's been something that I've seen a lot of on Twitter. And, and it was kind of weird at first. It was almost like, and I don't really know how it all got started. But it was almost like instantaneous when the Corey Dickerson stuff came out. Everybody's like, oh, clearly the Cardinals are trading Lars Newbar. And I had said I wasn't going to probably do a podcast until maybe even Friday because I was, I knew I'd be driving all day Wednesday. I've made it through Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, lovely McDonald's there, by the way. I made two Bucky's stops today. If you're not familiar with Bucky's, uh, get familiar with it. And. Anyway, I'm, I'm still looking at uh, staring down the barrel of another six-plus hours before I get home to my bed. And so I thought probably no podcast today, probably no podcast on Thursday since I would be sleeping most of the day, getting up in time to do the radio show on KTGR there in Columbia, Missouri, as well as KTGR.com. You should listen in for sure to that wonderful program with myself and Andy Humphrey. But I figured, oh, it'd be probably Friday before you heard from me. But then I decided, you know what, if I can riff in one take from the car and have people uh, recognize that the sound quality is going to suck and that I'll probably stumble on my words, I won't be able to edit anything, 
then so be it. Let's do it. So I decided that I wanted to just kind of chill here in the car for a little bit, chat into my phone speaker as it sits to my side, and see what we come up with. And I thought this topic of conversation would be interesting because I have a different take on the Corey Dickerson arrival equals Lars Newt Bar is expendable. Go get a starting pitcher by trading away Lars Newt Bar. Uh, I have a different position on that than at least what I've seen pretty prominently on Twitter over the last week, which is, uh, like I said, it was almost like an expectation of Cardinals fans who figured, like, oh, well, that's probably what the Cardinals are doing. Lars Newtbar, left-handed hitting outfielder, and maybe has a little bit of trade value after kind of bursting onto the scene last season for St. Louis. Uh, Corey Dickerson fills seemingly a similar role on the roster, and so maybe Lars Newtbar is super, superfluous. See, I told you I'd mess up my words. Superfluous to the Cardinals roster this year and uh, maybe expendable. Go trade something you have extra of for something you don't have, which right now is five starting pitchers you trust. Because without Jack Flaherty, it does. And like I said, I wasn't questioning that the the starting pitching situation is a little bit bleak because here on March 23rd, you've got about two weeks until opening day and you've got four pitchers in Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Dakota Hudson, Steven Matz that project to be obvious for your rotation. And then you've got that fifth spot, the guy who's going to take Jack Flaherty's role, and that's a little bit up in the air because we don't know whether the Cardinals view maybe Jake Woodford as that guy or Drew Verhagen as that guy. Maybe even Johan Oviedo is able to kind of rise through the ranks a couple rungs of up the ladder and be able to, to take over that number five spot. Uh, probably Verhagen or Woodford for me, if you have not listened to uh, gosh, yesterday's podcast, I want to say, Tuesday night, I think I did a show. Check that out because I dive into the uh, the handicapping of the... What is that? Is that a spider inside or outside the car? Oh boy, you're getting a live look right here, folks. I gotta make a decision. It's decision time, and I've already... What I've already done is... Ah, that's spider inside the car. I've already continued talking here, right? So I haven't paused it, and it's almost kind of too late to do that because I don't think I'm going to be able to edit this on the fly. question is, can I kill this spider without getting into a wreck? Well, the answer to that last question was nope. Couldn't kill the spider without wrecking. Good news is, didn't wreck. Bad news is, didn't kill the spider. Couldn't find it. But I did stop the recording, stop driving to pull over, make an effort. Uh, still couldn't find the spider. So that's unfortunate, but we trudge forward. Honest to God, I have no idea what I was talking about. I, it must have been uh, rotation, uh, trade Lars Newtbar. That's kind of the question of uh, this little impromptu podcast. So I'll dive back into it by saying, yes, the Cardinals have got to figure out who their number five starter is going to be. That's true. Do you trust Jake Woodford based on what you've seen from him previously? Do you trust that Johan Oviedo is ready to take over that role? Do you trust the new guy, Drew Verhagen, without really knowing a lot about him? The answer to all those questions might be, yeah, not really. You know, it, it might not be overly enthusiastic, uh, the, the rating of each of those players, those candidates for a spot in your opening day rotation. 
for a team that should be having some designs on on not just a deep playoff run, but really trying to get to the World Series. I know the Dodgers are damn good, and that's going to be a, a, a tough thing to be able to overcome with that lineup one through nine. It's just ridiculous. But if you're the Cardinals, you've got Yachty, you've got Wayno on their on their probable last year for both of them. You've got Arenado in his prime. You've got Goldsmith still in his prime. Uh, you've got to find a way to, to make a run at this point. And I know that a lot of the offseason moves have not necessarily reflected that, mostly because there haven't been very many moves by the Cardinals. And, and you could say probably Steven Matz is still their most significant signing, certainly the guy that got the most money from St. Louis. And like Steven Matz is a fine pitcher, and I think as a lefty in the rotation that will be a benefit to the Cardinals and they'll be glad they've got him. But ultimately... You know, it's not like you could look at this offseason for the Cardinals and say, yep, they're clearly trying to win now. They're, they're prioritizing the present, and they know how important it is to uh, to make a deep run this year. Doesn't really feel that way. It feels kind of like most offseasons for the Cardinals have felt. Uh, you know, you get Arenado last offseason. That was a long time in the making. And when they when they make those kinds of big moves every few years, it seems like, you know, we, we've known for a time that this is the guy. They circle the wagons. It's going to happen. And then, it, to their credit, they've made it happen. They made it happen with Arenado. Uh, they made it happen with Goldschmidt. I don't count Marcelo Zuna prior to that being on the same tier uh, because they lost out on the Yelich the sweepstakes and settled for Ozuna. I still maintain that they could have had Yelich in that offseason if they would have played a little bit of hardball with the Brewers. Uh, pardon me, with the Marlins. Obviously, Yelich ultimately going to the Brewers. Marlins said, and, and I saw this pop up, uh, I think Quinn from Twitter put this up today or yesterday, and it was actually in reference to the notion that right now the Athletics are pushing the, the desire to trade one pitcher over the other. I think that the tweet said they're pushing to trade Manaya, and then they'll wait and see on Montas. I believe Montas has more years of control remaining and so it's kind of like that situation with the Marlins where they had these two great outfielders two very good outfielders Ozuna and Yelich and they said well we don't want to we don't want to trade Yelich we think he's the truth uh, but we'll trade this Ozuna guy Cardinals need an outfielder so the Cardinals are like okay great and uh, in retrospect they gave up a package that at the time we probably didn't think was all that significant but you look back and go wow Sandy Alcantara was in that package he's pretty good Zach Gallen. A uh, couple other guys. I'm on the fly here, so I'm not doing any research. Um, but, you know, they traded four guys. Was Max Sierra in that one? I think he was. And then there's another pitcher who has since made his major league debut as well. But uh, I think that's right. But at any rate, the Cardinals traded for Ozuna in an offseason where they knew they needed to get a guy in the outfield. Again, I think they settled for the, the guy that you, was secondary at the time. I, I thought he was secondary. Yelich, of course, has this big contract that the Brewers have to worry about and has sort of declined. At least last year wasn't a very good year for Christian Yelich. And so I saw on Twitter somebody said, you know, I, I think the Cardinals uh, got the better end of that situation because they don't have to worry about Ozuna now. And, uh, you know, he didn't maybe pan out for them in the couple of years that he was here, but they don't have to pay a guy like Yelich gobs and gobs of money for the next however many years uh, during which he may not be particularly productive. And I said, I'm going to agree to disagree with you on that because the MVP-type seasons that Yelich did have for the Brewers uh, were pretty special and, and, and capable of putting a team like the Cardinals at the, those times over the top. I think the difference between Ozuna and Yelich was significant. 
And I also don't think Yelich is done. I think he had a bad year, but I bet you he bounces back. We'll see. Uh, but nevertheless, interesting that the comparison now is the, the athletics. They've got two starting pitchers that are pretty good. One might be more preferred compared to the other. One might have more years of control compared to the other. But they're tearing things down, and so they may end up trading both guys. They may end up trading neither. But the Cardinals are an obvious fit. So it makes sense, right, that people are talking about this because the Cardinals are in a spot where they do look thin in the rotation. They've got seven guys, and we've we've named them, seven guys that could conceivably be part of that rotation. But you don't feel super confident in the latter three for Hagen, Oviedo, Woodford, just because they, they haven't really proved it at this level yet. And then you look at the guys that are kind of locked into your rotation. Well, Matt's has had injury issues in the past. He's been more healthy of late, but uh, didn't throw a ton of innings last year, if I recall, maybe 120, 130. So that's maybe a little bit of a question. Dakota is coming off of Tommy John. He did get back out there at the end of last season, which I think is important just uh, for his confidence and knowing that he's kind of crossed that off his, his bucket list and he's been able to feel himself do it in a major league game and then have the whole offseason to say, hey, this is a normal offseason for me. This is no longer a rehab sort of situation. And I asked him about that too this past week, and, and he sort of agreed that that was a big step and it felt good to be able to, to kind of cross that off his list. I think Dakota Hudson's going to, to be a guy that the Cardinals lean on for a bunch of innings, but I can understand how people would be a little skeptical of his ability to do that immediately following uh, really his first full season following the Tommy John surgery. So there's that to consider. Uh, Adam Wainwright, of course, uh, 40 years old. He's been healthier recently, uh, hasn't had injury issues in the past couple of years, has been a workhorse for the Cardinals, but it's always possible uh, that, that he has some issues uh, at some point in the season. And then Miles Michaelis, of course, had a pretty injury-riddled 2021. And so those are the guys that are supposed to be your locked-in guys into the rotation. And so I can understand where Cardinals fans would say, hey, this does not look okay to me uh, not coming into the year. You know, that's the kind of rotation that if that's what you're dealing with and you've got four guys that are like, all right, there are veterans. We're going to trust that they'll be good to go. Uh, we don't have a healthy Flaherty, but we've got these other young guys who are ready to fill in the cracks where needed until Flaherty gets back. If that was was the case in June, right, you'd be like, okay, that's not so bad. Like, it's good to have that kind of depth. But when you when you, when that's what you're staring down the barrel of when you begin the season, you're like, well, more injuries can happen. Like, it can always get worse before it gets better. You talk about trying to get Jack Flaherty back, and that's a great idea. You know, Cardinals would, would say, yes, let's do that. Let's get him back. But the reality is you're not sure how soon that's going to happen, and you could easily lose other guys to injury uh between now and then and so you're, you're looking at further depleting your rotation depth at that point and so it makes sense that people look at what they've got in-house and say oh boy an outside addition would really be nice now, I don't know off the top of my head how many really legitimate free agents are out there at this point I don't know that the Cardinals are going to explore that route it does seem more likely uh, unless it's like just a, a guy on a minor minor league deal with a, an invite to camp they could sign a guy like that where it's where it's a couple million if he makes a team, um, so, something like that. I could see that happening. But otherwise, I just don't think the Cardinals are really looking to delve into that pool. I don't know the degree either to which they're looking to delve into the, the Oakland Athletics pitchers that have been bandied about. Cardinal fans on Twitter seem to think it's a great idea. I think it would make sense to pursue either of those guys if the price was right. But the connection where you lose me, and this is kind of the, the main gist of what I have titled this podcast and what I wanted to talk about here is do you trade Lars Newt Bar specifically 
for one of these guys. And would it take more than Lars Newbar? Probably. He's not really a prospect, right? Like, I, I don't know where he landed on the prospect list last year, but he wasn't one of these guys that has been touted all the way up. Uh, relatively early draft pick. I don't remember the round, but it wasn't like first first or second round, I don't think. I just remember when he was drafted because everybody said, oh, wow, that's a heck of a name, Lars Newbar. Like, I hope he makes it because it'd be really cool to see him, uh, you know, see a guy with a, with an interesting name like that. It's all anybody knew about him, really, at the time. Turns out they were right, though, because Cardinal fans freaking love saying Newt at any and everything that this guy does. They were doing it down at spring camp. Uh, some questions as to whether maybe some of those uh, Newt's down in Port St. Lucie against the Mets were actually boos from Mets fans that remembered uh, Lars Newbar robbing Pete Alonso of a home run uh, last year against the Mets. Not sure whether uh, that was the case or not as far as the newts or boos, but I think it was mostly newts, if I had to guess. But at any rate, he's a guy that's pretty fun and interesting. But it just seems like because Corey Dickerson signed, and I mentioned that they have a similar profile with what they bring to the 2022 roster. Guys who can be in the outfield, play different outfield positions, can slot into the lineup as a designated hitter because now you've got the universal DH, and they're both left-handed. So immediately, I think the gears started turning for people that that's what the Cardinals are looking to do. They're looking to trade Newt Barr to figure out what they can do about this rotation. I'm saying that I've been wrong before, but let's pump the brakes on that. I do not see it that way. I don't see it going down that way. I would be surprised if the Cardinals trade Lars Newtbar and whatever else for uh, an athletics pitcher. And I thought about, you know, should I even do this? Because then when I'm wrong and they, they make the trade, you're like, ah, oh, what an idiot. But I want to be honest in the moment of, of kind of the way I see things. Otherwise, what value am I as, as a guy who covers the Cardinals and, and does podcasts and stuff for you guys to kind of get an angle of, of, uh, what I'm looking at, I just don't really see that being uh, a move the Cardinals maybe need to make, like they, they could feel compelled to make, but I also don't think it's a, a move that the Cardinals typically do make. When you look at the way they operate, what do the Cardinals and John Moselak not do? They don't immediately overreact to getting bad news about an injury or a situation that's unforeseen. If anything, they take a little bit longer than you'd like for them to uh, to be able to react to situations. Case in point, last year when at the trade deadline, or even you could go back further than that when the uh, Luis Garcia and TJ McFarland acquisitions were made. Uh, the the starters were kind of struggling, but the bullpen was really struggling as well, and they just they just couldn't they couldn't get anybody out. They're walking guys. It was a bad deal. June, early July, that kind of time of the year, and so finally they're they're tinkering with the bullpen making things happen, trying anything, seeing what sticks. Uh, those two guys, McFarlane and Garcia, obviously did stick for last year's bullpen. And then the trade deadline, they got Jay Happ, they got John Lester. Those were kind of the moves that Moselak made to say, hey, we got to do something about these uh, these innings that we need to eat out of our rotation. The guys we have in-house are not getting the job done. And so that was like that was like their version of just kind of throwing their hands in the air and saying, okay, I mean, these guys will at least pitch. And if they are terrible whatever we're not really like a playoff team anyway this year that's going to make make a run so it's fine well it turns out they won 17 in a row kind of washed out what it would have been previously a pretty uh you know dreary kind of season hovering around 500 for most of it end up going on the run they get into the wild card game they fall short there everybody knows the story the rest is history but i do all this to kind of illustrate that john mozalak typically right is not 
going to react to an injury to a pitcher in March, which it happens every year that guys get injured in spring training. He's not typically the the GM or the, the president of baseball operations to react and say, well, crap, now we've got to go out and do something right this second or all hope is lost. He's never really operated that way. And, and in a lot of ways, that can be frustrating for fans because they're like, oh, I want to see action. I want to see something happen. I want to see that the front office sees what I see and that you need to react you need to make a move to try to bolster a, a, a spot of your roster that, that could be uh, kind of lagging behind as the season begins. And so I totally understand the sentiment there, but I don't know that that's the way Mosellock and company are, are going to treat this. I think they're going to say, well, we've got these guys in Woodford. We, we signed for Hagen. Like, we already did that uh, for specifically this kind of scenario, to be honest with you, where uh, I asked Drew Verhagen, like, what did, what did Mosellock tell you? And I think I talked about this in a previous episode. But what do they tell you? What do the Cardinals tell you when you – decided to come here starter reliever what was kind of the game plan and he said yeah I was told by Mo that I would get an opportunity I'd get a look as a starter okay well here's this opportunity Uh, they'll see what he does with it Oviedo again I think that's a guy you just want to get him more innings in Memphis it's a shame honestly for Oviedo that he had to come up in 2020 and pitch in the big leagues during the COVID year because he simply was not ready but the Cardinals simply had no other choices it was a bad situation all around and uh, they, they did well to be able to navigate it the way they did. I don't know that that's set him back in any way, but you could wonder if, if that's been the case. And ideally, Oviedo will kind of take a forged-by-fire mentality and be able to come through on the other side a little stronger uh, and show some evidence of that this year. But I think he starts in Memphis. Woodford, it's kind of getting to be put-up-or-shut-up time for him as to whether this guy can be a big-league starter or if he's more of a swingman. Uh, relief type pitcher at the major league level Um, and this could be the year where they really give him a little bit more leeway to to take that opportunity and run with it in in the wake of the Jack Flaherty injury so wait and see what that looks like but yeah you've got these guys that I feel like Mosellock looks at and says hey I know it's not ideal to be having this as your situation at the beginning of April but it's kind of where we are and this is why we we have you know the depth that we do Let's see what these guys can do. And then if you get into April, May, and it's not going well in that spot in the rotation and you don't get Jack Flaherty back, okay, certainly that'll be a, a position that you got to target at the deadline. And I know that John Mozeliak in recent years has not been particularly uh, adept at landing the big fish at the obvious position of need at the deadline. It's always been working the periphery. Uh, some years have gone better than others. I would say last year you got to give him credit for what he did, being able to basically give up nothing to get two pitchers that able that were able to help you out as that uh, stretch run of the season went along. You gave up Lane Thomas. He's going to be a factor for the Nationals this season, but that's because they're just they're tanking and, and they got to put him in the outfield and see what he can do. And maybe he'll have a fine season. He'll probably OPS 750 or something, and, and people will go crazy every time he hits a home run. But honestly, it wasn't working here in St. Louis. He needed a change of scenery. And then the other guy they gave up is John Gant. He's not even pitching in uh, in America anymore. He went over uh, overseas to I forget it's. KBO or or Nippon Professional Baseball, whichever one it was, signed by one of the, the Japanese or Korean teams over that way, and he'll get himself a guaranteed contract, and he'll probably be a starter. Uh, but he, he was he was not hacking it with the Twins last year after uh, after that Jay Happ deal. So Mozeliak has been able to operate in the periphery at the deadline. I think the plan would be to just go in with that mentality again uh, to the season if they need to kind of tweak the roster as the summer goes along have a willingness to do that I will be a little bit more uh, in the boat of hey you got to do it quicker 
this time around than you did last year because it damn near cost them last year, uh, and really it didn't put them in a great position even with that 17-game win streak uh, because they still had to play at the Dodgers in a wild-card game, which may have been the case regardless the way the, the NL West was just so uh, powerful late last season and, and really throughout the entire campaign. But nevertheless, I, I look at this situation now and say I see where people are coming from with a need for a starting pitcher. If you can trade some prospects and get one of these guys, uh, you know, maybe you do that if you don't have to overpay. But for me, Lars Newbar is not the guy I would want to trade. It's just so surprising to me that people are so desperate uh, for a pitcher right now that they're like, oh, let's trade Newbar. Like, I felt like people pr- pretty much really liked Lars Newbar last season when he came on to the scene. And I think he's a guy that's got got a little bit of an edge to him. He's dynamic. I think he might be one of those kind of players that, even if he wasn't a tippy-top prospect on the way up, by the time he gets here, Cardinals can develop him, and he can turn into, in my opinion, better than a fourth outfielder. I do not think fourth outfielder is necessarily Lars Newbar's ceiling, and I think he's got tools. And I like, I, I like what he brings to the table. I think he's a guy that you keep. And, and that sounds a little weird because if you're talking strictly trade value, like, the Athletics would not accept a deal of Newt Bar for Manaya or Newt Bar for Montas, I don't think. It wouldn't be a straight-up deal. And even still, I'm saying I wouldn't pursue it if I'm the Cardinals. If you can, if you can get, get one of those guys through other means, maybe you do. But I just, don't, I just don't know if that's what makes sense for the Cardinals right now based on where they are. And so, like, that's kind of my takeaway. And the reason of, of a Corey Dickerson kind of opening the door to make Lars Newt Bar expendable, that's really the... I guess the myth that I wanted to bust by doing this podcast, which again, I can call it a myth, and I, and I tried to take a, an approach of if I've got an opinion on something, I need to at least articulate to you guys that it's my opinion. We all have opinions on what you know what what the Cardinals should do or what they might do or what we think they'll do, and I I want to be able to articulate in this moment that I don't know whether the Cardinals are going to pursue one of these Oakland guys and and whether they'll trade Lars Newpark. I'm saying I don't think that that's their plan, and I would say I'm on board with that not being their plan. And that's kind of where I, I fall on it. And again, Corey Dickerson could be a nice piece, not a big power bat, but a guy who's going to have a decent batting average, get on base decently, fill in. He's flexible. He's versatile. He'll play different outfield spots. He'll DH. He's a lefty bat who has hit right-handed pitching pretty well throughout his career. All those things are good for what the Cardinals need. They're pretty right-handed heavy, and so to have a guy that can can hit righties uh, from the left side is a benefit to the Cardinals. I don't think a one-year deal for $5 million for Corey Dickerson has literally jack squat to do with the notion of trading or keeping Lars Newpark. That's basically the myth I want to bust. And they end up doing it. You'll hear me doing an episode coming soon that's like, oh, remember when I called that a myth and I was wrong because I'm an idiot? Sorry, but in the moment, all I can say is, is kind of the way I, I handicap a situation or the way I view it. Why would Lars Newtbar suddenly become expendable because the Cardinals signed a 32-year-old or 33-year-old outfielder to a one-year $5 million contract? Newtbar is under team control for the next five or six years, whatever it is. Like, I, I just don't think that that's a situation that has one relating to the next. I, I, I think you make trades of players if you you know if you're able to get a position of need, but I don't think suddenly getting Corey Dickerson unlocks the potential for the Cardinals to trade Lars Newpar. Lars Newpar's, you know, in his early 20s. Dickerson is going to be retired in, you know, a number of years. 
hopefully he does well for the Cardinals and extends his career into his late 30s and plays as long as he wants to. But realistically, I just don't know. Other than they're both lefties, they're both outfielders, and they're both fighting for at bats in 2022 on the St. Louis Cardinals. That's kind of where the comparisons end for me as far as why one signing would impact the team's ability or desire to trade the other. I think they want Lars Nupar to be a, an affordable, cost-controlled uh, third-and-a-half outfielder for the next five years. I, I mean, unless unless he really takes off and, and has another really great year and they're like, oh, we can get a superstar player for him at a position of need and, and we're going to maximize his value because we don't think he's going to sustain this long-term. That would be the situation, and I don't think you've reached that point with Newt Bar. Like I said, I think you'd have to trade pieces in addition to him if you were going with this uh, kind of dreamed-up scenario with Oakland. And I wouldn't do it. Uh, you know, Juan Yapez, that's another interesting name that people talk about. Uh, could he be in the DH mix? Would you trade him? Ah, yeah, I'd probably trade him because I think he's limited defensively. Uh, I think in, in the world of the DH, you've obviously got that as an option for a guy to get into the lineup. But for as good as he's been at AAA, do I expect Yepes to walk right in and be like head and shoulders better than John Nagowski was for the Cardinals? Not necessarily. And not, Nagowski, you know, is a guy who's tried to catch on with the Pirates and stuff after he was gone from St. Louis. Um, you know, I think I think Yepes has the upside to be a legitimate candidate. But I hear some talk around town and just things I'm seeing people talk about Yepes. I'm like, I don't I don't know why you're anointing Yepes. He may not even make the roster. He's not going to be a middle order bat for this team, I don't think, un- unless he proves his way into that. And so I, I think we got to pump the brakes a little bit on what we expect from Yepes right now. Uh, I do think he's going to end up getting in that bat. <laughs> That's one thing that I said when the Cardinals traded Matt Adams away. And, and I said, oh, it's a salary dump. They're just giving him a, a new place to start. Uh, who'd they get? Some teenager, Juan Yepe, Juan Yepez, I don't know. And I told somebody on Twitter, I said, you know, who disagreed with me that it was just, they basically told Matt Adams to go away and found a nice place for him to land. And they said, well, they did get this prospect. I said, listen, Juan Yepez is not a prospect. If he ever takes an at-bat for the Cardinals, I will buy you a beer. It's just, you know, this was a, this was a jettison of Matt Adams. The guy they brought in is irrelevant. You know, he's a teenage prospect, teenage non-prospect. It doesn't matter. Well, turns out I was wrong because Yepes has really worked hard and has done a good job. He's a good dude. You know, seems like a, a, a good, grounded uh, guy who's who's just trying to make it in this league, and I'm rooting for him. I just don't know that, you know, long-term, what is what does he profile as for this team? Uh, maybe just a really solid right-handed bat off the bench or a DH, but in the world of the designated hitter, how often are you going to be pinch-hitting for the guys that are in your starting lineup? You know, I I don't know how much trade value he probably has. I think he's a guy that has more value to the Cardinals than would anybody else, at least until you get a chance to show, uh, to, to display him out there in the majors and show what he can do. Uh, for right now, I think I would I would just keep him, but that's just because of what I perceive his value to be. So basically, when it comes to Yepes, could they trade him? Sure, that would be maybe a move that would make a little more sense. I don't think he's got the versatility. Or, or the long-term necessarily upside that that Newt Bar has. Obviously, they're different players. Obviously, I'm a fan of Yepes and, and hope that he does well. And that's what I'm saying, too. I, I just don't think that, while I would say, okay, if you can get one of these pitchers for Yepes and another piece, you probably do that. I, I just don't think that that's a move that uh, is realistic either. So I, that's kind of what I wanted to get into tonight is just the notion of, 
Corey Dickerson does not equal Trayton Lars Newtbar. And and I, I, I'm not sure where that came from. Um, and if I'm wrong about it, that, so be it. But that's, I, I guess I felt confident enough in, in kind of bringing that up to, uh, to do a podcast about it. And could the Cardinals still pursue, you know, one of those pitchers? I, they, they certainly could. But just based on the timeline and, and like, I would say overall it was an optimistic report on Flaherty. Just the notion that, no, it's not a tear that they're worried about. Like, sure, he's got a slap tear, but that's not the thing they're concerned about with the shoulder right now. It's the bursitis. That's why they did the PRP. If that can go down, they can figure out what he happened uh, to do mechanically to make the problem arise in the first place, and they think he can probably be able to fix it. So, like, if all that's true, maybe you see Jack Flaherty within the next, you know, couple months, six to eight weeks. Maybe it's not likely, but it seems possible. If that's the case, you're not going to uh, to be looking to trade prominent prospects plus a large new bar for a starting pitcher who could be a pretty good starting pitcher. You know, I get that part of it, but it just I don't think the need is dire enough in, in the X's and O's of it in the you know obvious on paper situation that you have on the roster to consider that the Cardinals will spring into action when typically uh, springing into action is not their uh, is not their forte is not the way they choose to go about these things so that's basically what I've got for tonight and uh, hopefully this podcast finds you well and uh, if if it doesn't uh, don't listen to it anymore but listen to the next episodes be shaved daily you can subscribe on Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts all the great places to find your audio podcasts Give me a follow on Twitter at bshafer12. And while you're there, send me a direct message to tell me what you'd like to hear in future episodes of B-Shape Daily, and I will try my best to accommodate. So pardon me on the audio quality. Pardon me on the uh, the spider situation. Still haven't seen that thing. Kind of freaking me out a little bit. But appreciate you guys for listening as always, and we will talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.